All right. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad you're here today. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room. In fact, can we take just a moment and honor all of the mothers in the room today? So glad, so excited that you all are here today. All the mothers, we honor you. If you're new with us today, a special welcome to you. I'm Rodney. I'm the campus pastor here at our New City Matthews location. This is my wife, Jacqueline, and we're excited. We're excited. Excited to serve you guys today. We are excited. We're going to be preaching together today as we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and what the Bible has to say about the marriage relationship. Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear messages about a few other types of relationships that Paul talks about. But don't worry, if you're in the room today and you're not married, there is some wisdom in what we're sharing for you as well. But before we look into God's word, let's take a moment to look up to him in prayer. God in heaven, we, we honor you for this space of grace. We thank you for today. It's a day that we've never seen before and a day that we'll never see again. Help us to be the best that we can be today, right now, in this moment. God, we can't do anything but apologize to you for where we may have missed it on yesterday. For that, we say that we're sorry. You woke us up today, God, with a fresh breath, new grace, new mercy. And we declare now, Jesus, that you are the authority in this space. Move up and down these aisles. Move in and out of our hearts. Do whatever you got to do in this moment. But please, get the glory in these people and in this place. Thank you for every mother, God. Thank you for their sacrifice. And we pray now for every mother in the room that may be frustrated, that may be tired. We pray refreshing. We pray renewal upon them in the name of Jesus. Amen. We also want to take a moment right here at the top just to acknowledge those of you who may be like me. Maybe this is a difficult time for you. Maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mom. or Maybe your mother is no longer with us. We do want to stop and acknowledge that and let you know that our thoughts and prayers are with you as well. Amen? Amen. Well, this year, Jacqueline and I will be celebrating three years of marriage. Three years of marriage. Um, <laughs> August 2nd, August 2nd is our anniversary day. Any other August anniversaries in the building? Yes, I pray a special blessing uh-huh. <laughs> upon you in Jesus' name. Well, um, uh, I want to show you a picture. This first picture is of Jacqueline and I. This is, bef- this is 2015, before we even started dating. Now, I'll be honest. I'm going to share some, some, share some things with you this morning. Don't judge me. It took me about six months uh, to work up the nerve. <laughs> about six months to work up the nerve um, to say something. But I asked her to take this picture with me because I wanted to mess with her brother. Uh, so I said, take the picture with me. I want to send it to your brother and kind of mess with him. So uh, this was about six months before we were uh, actually dating. And this next picture is us on our wedding day. So, yeah. So your boy worked up the nerve, and uh, God worked that situation out on my behalf. Um, so it was such a, such a great, great day. But before we, before we dive in today, we want to share a couple of facts about us. And I'll start by sharing uh, some things that we have in common. Uh, first is, and this is huge to me, we are both huge NFL football fans. Huge. Yes. Jackpot. She's a, she's a Steelers fan, hardcore Steelers fan. 
okay, all right. Yeah. See, I'm like you. I'm like, yeah, okay, man. Uh, but this is how I knew she was hardcore, because when she pulled out her bank card for the first time, it was a Steelers bank card. Uh, so she was hardcore. Now, I'm, a, I'm from New York, so I'm a New York Giants fan. Uh, don't hold that against me. But we're both huge uh, NFL football fans. Um, and we both have um, the same type of sense of humor, um, which is great for us, because we typically find the same things funny, um, which I love, because we can be somewhere like Walmart um, and just have a great time laughing <laughs> over something silly. And the last thing I'll share by way of commonality is that we both really, really love Italian food. Mm -hmm. Really, really yeah. love Italian food. So if you want to get on our good side, <laughs> Italian food. Maggiano's every time. Yeah, come on. Well, here are some differences about us. I actually grew up with a single mother with eight siblings, six brothers, two sisters. And Rodney grew up in a two-parent home with only one sibling. Um, I was raised growing up going to church. His family did not go to church. Um, and I am very, very detail-oriented. I like to have a plan. I like to know everything that's going on. My husband, not so much. Um, and believe it or not, my favorite movie is Gladiator. Now, now you bounce that up against my favorite movies are romantic comedies. Don't judge me. <laughs> Do not judge me. This is a safe space. Romantic comedies. I got a peach shirt on, so I'm comfortable with me. I'm comfortable. But movies that have to do with relationships, that's my thing. That's my thing. But in, in spite of it all, commonalities, differences, I can truly say that I married way, way up. This is my absolute uh, best friend uh, in, a, in the whole world. So, uh, and I'm grateful to have her up here with me today. So as we continue our study today of the book of Ephesians, we find ourselves today at a passage, Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33. You can go ahead and start making your way there. Uh, this passage has gotten a lot of attention over the years, good and bad attention, right? Mostly, mostly bad, right? And so we just want you to know uh, right here from the top that our goal is not to frustrate or confuse, uh, but our goal rather is to prayerfully shed some light and uh, hopefully bring some clarity to you. So by way of context in this text, as Paul is instructing the church in Ephesus about how to live out their faith in their primary relationships, he starts, he begins with marriage. Now, we're aware that not everybody in the room is married. We know that some of you in the room may be struggling in your marriage, and maybe some of you have a desire to be married, you're not yet married, and maybe somebody in the room has lost a spouse, and, and maybe somebody else is no longer married, and maybe you're okay with that. Uh, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum today, that's okay. But we want to start with this, and that is marriage is not a Christian prescription. Marriage is not a Christian prescription. Here's what I mean. Uh, God spoke through and worked through married and unmarried people alike all throughout the Bible, just as he does today, just as he does today. In fact, Jesus wasn't married, right? But he preached about marriage. He preached about marriage. Now, we don't know for sure if the Apostle Paul, the author of Ephesians, was married. Many theologians uh, suspect that he was and that maybe his wife either died or she either left him. What we do know is from 1 Corinthians 7 that Paul was unmarried at the time of its writing. And that could, again, refer to him either being a widower or unmarried. Philippians 3 says that he was a Pharisee um, and that many argue that it would have been difficult for him to have been a Pharisee as an unmarried man. But all that being said, here's the larger point uh, we want to make today as we talk about the marriage relationship, and that Paul writes this passage to the entire church. He writes this passage to the entire church, married and unmarried. 
and the words that he writes are meant to be read and applied by everybody. So that means that this may apply to you today, could mean that it could apply to you tomorrow, or it could apply through you today, or it could apply through you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And one thing we know is that God never wastes his word, right? Yeah. These are timeless principles that we can think about as we study God's word and as we live them out as a church family. So we're praying that as we move forward, these next few passages, um, God will use them however he sees fit in our lives. Absolutely. And just, just so you know, a part of the reason why we trust Scripture is that we believe that Scripture not only defines for us relationships, but it also defines how, as Christ followers, we are to move and act in society. And the truth is that there's a danger to us defining things for ourselves, right? There's a danger to that. And so with that, um, if you're able, I'm going to ask now uh, that you would stand for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll look at verses 21 through 33. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed her by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. So as we dive into the scriptures today, our bottom line is this. Marriage is a race to the back of the line. I'll say it again. Marriage is a race to the back of the line. So let's start by talking about mutual submission. Marriage is the closest representation that we have of the relationship that God wants to have with his people. So in marriage, it's love, it's trust, the commitment, the fidelity, all of that is meant to be this beautiful picture of the type of relationship that God wants to have with us as his people. Jesus even uses the marriage relationship when he's talking about the church. Remember, he mentions the church as his body and Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, the church as his bride and Jesus himself as the bridegroom. So the marriage relationship and all of our godly relationships really start with the foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we don't have that proper foundation, sometimes it can cause issues within our relationships simply because our foundation is not right. So I want to remind us of some of the words that Paul uses earlier before this passage and in the next few passages on relationships. The first one is found in Ephesians 4.1. And he says, therefore I, 
a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And as we mentioned before, this is a theme verse for the second half of the book of Ephesians. The second is found in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, and it says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, the key passage to understanding Paul's teaching on marriage and other relationships is found in Ephesians 5.1, where it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that word, that word in Ephesians 5.21, reverence, the, the root word is reveal, and it means deep respect and admiration. Deep respect and admiration. Now, we all know that the word submission generally gets a bad rap mm-hmm. um, in our culture because we generally equate submission with being conquered or lesser than. Now, you might be surprised to know that the Greek word for, sh- for submission means bridled strength. It means bridled strength. And biblical submission is not subservience. In fact, Jesus modeled submission for us within the context of the Trinity, right? He was fully God, yet he was fully submitted to the plan, the purpose, and the will of his Father. Andy Stanley says that submission equals permission. Submission equals permission. In other words, I am giving permission to someone else to lead. The idea is I am allowing strength to be channeled for the benefit of the relationship. Now, you might be familiar with this picture of a triangle here. And basically what it means is that we are to submit to one another out of our reverence for Jesus because we are looking up to Jesus as our example. And you'll notice here that the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we are to one another. Now, I do want to mention here that this requires both an individual and a collective pursuit of Christ. You should have your own relationship, your own pursuit of God, but then there should be times where you come together and you pursue Christ together. Because the truth is, when we surrender to Christ, that's when we can submit to one another. So let's look specifically at what what Paul says to the wives. Remember in verse 22, he says that wives are to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. And then later in the passage, in verse 33, he says that wives must respect their husbands. So wives, when we live this way, when we live in submission and in respect, it actually communicates to our husbands, I believe in you. Listen to what the book Love and Respect has to say about submission and respect. It says, submission refers to the way a wife responds to her husband's leadership whether or not she disagrees with him. Respect, on the other hand, refers to the way a wife feels towards her husband in general and the way she treats him as a result of those feelings. So what does it then look like for a wife to submit to her husband? Well, Rodney mentioned earlier this concept of husbands and wives to submit mutually to one another, meaning we're to grant each other permission to lead. So for the husband, that means he is submitting to the authority and the headship of Jesus Christ. For us wives, that means we're submitting and we're allowing our husband, we're giving our husband permission 
to be the leader. Submission is our will to say yes to our husband's leadership. And it's also our disposition and our attitude to support his initiatives. And when we find that we are having a disagreement, that's when we're ultimately saying to our husband, I trust you to do what's best. Because ultimately, the person that we're submitting to and we're trusting is really God, right? And I will be honest with you, I had a very early lesson in submission as soon as Rodney and I got back from our honeymoon. God didn't give me any time to get this, get this right. We literally came back from our honeymoon. We were trying to figure out where we were going to live. And we had originally decided on a place. We even signed some initial documents. And we were ready to go. And so we happened to be in the area. And we decided to drive by the place one more time. And I decided, why don't we just go and take a look at it? And so the whole time I'm glowing and I'm smiling and I look over at him and I said, what do you think? And, and I said, mm, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I think we could do better. I think we could do better. And I'm thinking, I think you could do better. You're the one who chose this place. And now I'm in love with it. And I wanted so badly to completely disagree with everything that he was saying. Um, but as I pondered on that for the next couple days, the one thing that the Lord really showed me in my quiet time was that it was actually bigger than me and Rodney. God was trying to show me the very beginning of our relationship that this was about whether or not I was going to trust him to be my provider. And part of what you don't know is I was in graduate school at the time, so I had to cut back my hours to be a full-time intern. So not only was part of my salary being taken away, but there was also just this fear around being newly married and how are we going to meet all of our bills, all of those scary things, right, that can come with it. And so I decided to surrender and trust him. And a few days later, he made good on his promise. He found us a place. But listen to this. It was across town and several hundred dollars more than the budget we had agreed on. <laughs> and I felt like God was saying, I asked you if you were going to trust me. Are you going to do it or not? Here's your opportunity. And I'm not going to say that it was easy because it wasn't. But I had to learn every day to surrender that. And then we went to look at the place. And I cried because it was absolutely where we were supposed to be. And not only did God provide for that place, but he even helped us to make sure that we took care of every bill and we had money for savings at the end. I don't know how God figures that out. His math doesn't make sense to me, but it just ends up working out, right? Mm -hmm. But I thank him for that early lesson in submission. And remember, Jesus is not asking us to do something he did not do himself, yeah. right? At the end of the day, Jesus submitted to the Father. He yielded his desires and his wants to the desires of the Father. And in the same way, Wives are choosing to voluntarily yield to the leadership of their husbands. So submission is a divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help him carry that out through the giftings that God has given her. So notice that in verse 33, Paul also says that wives are to respect their husbands. So why is that so important, that wives respect their husbands? Well, consider this. There was a survey done that asked several hundred men this question. If you were forced to choose, would you prefer to feel alone 
and unloved or disrespected and inadequate. And 74% of the men said that they would rather feel alone and unloved rather than disrespected and inadequate. In other words, 74% of men said that respect was more important to them than love. So what does it look like for us to respect our husbands? It looks like admiring him. It looks like holding him in high regard, focusing on his strengths rather than his weaknesses, supporting him and being his biggest cheerleader, and considering how hard he works for the family and the sacrifices that he makes for the family. There's this quote that I absolutely love that says this. It says, if you treat a man as he is, he will stay as he is. But if you treat him as if he were what he ought to be and what he could be, he will become the bigger and better man. So as wives, when we live this way, when we live with submission, when we live with respect, we're not only fulfilling verse 21, which says to submit to one another, but we are also saying to our husbands, I believe in you. Well, and lady, listen, I can't tell you how much those words mean to us as men. Those words, I believe in you, I mean, they mean the world, at least to me anyway. I mean, you want me to get me to, you want to get me to puff my chest out? (laughs) Tell me that you believe in me. And so let's take a look now at what Paul has to say to the husbands in verses 25 through 33. Now, fellas, I need y'all to lock in with me. Now, don't leave me by myself up here. Lock (laughs) lock in with me because I want you to notice, first of all here, that there's much more written to the husbands than it is to the wives. And just right off the top, um, as Jacqueline said, when we live this way, when when we heed to the words that Paul is saying here, we're saying to our wives, our family members, we're saying, you can trust me. We're saying to them that you can trust me. So verse 25 starts off with him saying, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So it begs the question, how then does Christ love the church? He gave up his life for the church. Now let me start by saying this. Jesus Christ is our model. He's our example of a godly husband. In other words, he was the ultimate servant leader. He was the ultimate servant leader. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that servant leadership is showing up with a towel and a basin rather than a shopping cart. In other words, servant leadership is showing up looking to give rather than to get. And this is what we are called to as husbands. This is what we're called to. Um, We're also called, as verse 23 says, we're called to headship. This is what he means in verse 23 when he says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, Let me give uh, a clarifying definition of what headship is. Headship is the divine calling of a husband to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision in the home. Headship is not a right to command and control. It is a responsibility to love like Christ. So, how did Christ love the church? He loved the church sacrificially sacrificially 
And also, Jesus didn't demand that people follow him. Jesus invited people to follow him. He demonstrated that he was trustworthy and that others could give him permission to lead them. And so for us as husbands, what that means is that rather than demanding trust, it means that we ought to become trustworthy. Because what I'm learning is that forced submission comes through conquering, but invited permission comes through serving. And so remember, verse 21, mutual submission means that we're giving the other person permission to lead in our life. And so here's what that looks like, uh, what servant leadership looks like for us as husbands. It looks like you and I being tuned in to the needs of our family, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Now, I've been privileged to work with many guys as a pastor and a life coach, and I jokingly say there's a bill that most men don't like to pay, and it's attention, unfortunately. But servant leadership means that we're tuned into these things. It means that we are proactive regarding ways to help our family members grow in their relationship with God. It means that we are ready to protect, provide, help, and defend, here it is, in good times and in bad, when you feel like it and when you don't. Because we saw this modeled in Jesus, right, when he was in the garden. He said, I don't want to do this. If it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. But then he also said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In other words, servant leadership is a you first mentality. You first, not me. You first. But now, here's what I love. Watch this. Verse 26 and 27 says why Christ gave his life for the church. It says, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. In other words, hear this. His love was not just a warm feeling. His love was not just a warm feeling. It was purposeful and it was transformative. Hear this, Christ left his father to be what his bride needed. Christ left his father to be what his bride needed. But notice this also, that she's not the only one that benefits from his servant leadership. So do you. The scripture says that he presents her back to himself, a church without spot or wrinkle. Please don't miss that. Here's what that means to me. Everything I'm looking for from her starts with me. Everything you're looking for from your wife starts with you. Everything Christ expects from the body, he embodied himself. And so I I want you to know, because I know that you want and I know that you need her respect, what I'm suggesting is maybe a part of how you get that is by loving her as Christ loved the church. Now, I do understand, guys, that this is a tall order for us. It's a tall order, and we cannot do this in our own strength. Therefore, being filled with the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in verse 18, this is paramount for us. Constantly being filled with God's Spirit. Being filled with God's Spirit when you want to act in a way that's contrary to what Paul is talking about here. Be filled with his Spirit when you want to justify your position, when when you want to communicate the fact that you think that you're right. Paul is showing us as husbands a more excellent way here of how to love our wives and how to lead our family. Here's the point of it all. Here's the point of it all. The purpose of marriage is not personal happiness. It's holiness. It's both the husband and the wife becoming more like Jesus. 
And so what, what Paul presents here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, is what the marriage relationship is to look like. This is what he's presenting. What he reveals here is a beautiful and a glorious picture of marriage. And so these directions and these commands to the husband and wife to give, or to, for us to give ourselves to each other. Because the truth is, when we make marriage and love about the fulfillment and satisfaction of ourselves, when we show up to get rather than to give, then we lose the vision. We lose the picture of what God has put in place for us. Essentially, we destroy the beautiful picture of a godly marriage when we seek our own desires rather than the desire of our spouse. And so yielding to one another, mutual submission, is the only way that a marriage can be full of joy and be pleasing to the Lord. Because here's another truth. All of our relationships, married or not, are either making us more like Jesus or less like Jesus. Yeah. So as we close, let me remind us that husbands and wives are called to live out this mutual submission in the home with Jesus himself as their example. Wives are to submit to their husbands as an expression of their submission to Christ. And husbands, we just learned, are to submit to their wives by sacrificially loving them and by serving them, just as Christ loved and served the church by giving up his own life for her sake. And so in this text today, we learn something very important that I don't want you to miss. And what we learn is that whether we're married or single, God cares about the relationship that we're in. And not only does he care about our relationships, but he calls us to walk worthy in them. Remember, Ephesians 4.1, that's, that's the theme of the second half of the book. Lead a life worthy of the calling. And ladies and gentlemen, that includes the relationships that we find ourselves in. But specific to marriage, I need you to know that this is important. Because sin entered the world through the marriage relationship. Sin entered the world through the marriage relationship. And marriages are foundational to society. And consequently, they're a target of the enemy. However, all of us who are married in the room today, we can be encouraged no matter where our marriage is today because God left us a blueprint. He left us a blueprint of success through the Apostle Paul. A blueprint that not only glorifies God, but it also cultivates holiness within both the husband and the wife. And so our hope today is that you leave knowing that marriage is submission, marriage is servant leadership, but also that marriage is a race to the back of the line. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your wonderful sacrifice on the cross. And we thank you that in your sacrifice, you purified us as your bride back to yourself. Now, Father, we lift up all of the marriages that are in this room and all over the world to you. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to teach every wife godly submission as expressed through submission to her husband's. We pray that wives will respect their husbands, just like you commanded us to in your word. And Lord, we lift up our husbands to you. We ask, Lord, that you would help them to love their wives just like you loved us as your church. 
sacrificially, and through servant leadership. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful marriage relationship and for every godly relationship that is founded in you. And whatever season we find our lives in, Lord, we're just trusting you that you're going to prosper us and that you're going to give us a future that is filled with hope. And I'm sure many of us have seen several dark times, Lord. I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, even in the midst of the storm. Lord, I pray that whether we're singled or whether we're married, that you would help us to have an unwavering commitment and a steadfastness that comes only from trusting in you. We thank you for all of these things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.